the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have all fallen short. And what's the first thing that happens to us when we accept Jesus as our Savior? He forgives us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Since we live in a world that's consumed with consuming us, this world will eat you alive. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. How can we get to a place as believers to have real freedom in our hearts, to a place of deliverance, to a place that we can find a constant rest as we walk with God? Well, it all starts with not being dependent on anything other than our relationship with the living God. For it's only when we find our dependency in Christ that we are free from all the other codependencies that we have taken on in our life. Let's look at our first point, refocus our vision. We have to set our gaze in a new direction. This flies in the face of modern day psychology. For we are taught today to look back Oh, we got to go back. We got to peel all that stuff, all that ugliness. We got to, it's like a giant onion. We got to, we got to peel all these things back. Those things that traumatized us, those things that have afflicted us for years. We got to go back and we got to pull it all apart. We got to dissect it for how can we help others until we have truly helped ourselves? How many times have we heard that one? Well, God tosses all of that theology right out the window. God tosses it right out the window. Why? Why would God toss all this unbelievable wisdom? We have thousands of books on psychology written on all of these things. Why would God toss it out the window? Because we've all been traumatized. We've all been abused. Some, obviously, more than others. Plus, we've all sinned, and we've all fallen desperately short of God's glory. Not one of us deserve God's grace and his mercy that he affords us. But this is why God desires us to refocus our vision from looking backwards, going back and unpilling all this stuff. He doesn't want us to look backwards anymore. He wants us to look forward. You ever walk around at Disneyland looking behind you? Oh, poof, I'm walking into people. Oh, boy, I walked into Mickey Mouse. Oh, there's Goofy, you know? It's like, well, I ran into the Matterhorn. How'd you not see it? Well, I was looking behind me. Poof, I ran into the Matterhorn. It's a mountain. Okay, well, whatever. See, God wants us to stop looking backwards. He wants us to now only look forward. Consider the Apostle Paul. 
always trying to outperform his peers, trying to stand out in a world of religious theologians. And he was a theologian for sure, one of the richest in his class. He was trying to make his mark in the world of religion, yet being confronted by his own sinful passions while being this religious zealot, he tries to flush it all out. He tries to explain this, the civil war that was happening inside of his own heart, and he tries to explain it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. He lays out his boast. He called himself, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I wasn't just your average Hebrew student. No, I excelled above them all. He lived according to the law. He said, I was in blamelessness. I was a Pharisee, the top leading religious sect of the day. He said, when it came to religion, he says, I did it all. And I topped you all, every one of you. But he goes on to say in verse seven to 12, but I count it all as rubbish. He says in the original language, I count it as dung. I count it as all animal waste compared to really knowing Jesus Christ. All his accolades, all the certificates he earned, his religious standing in the community without Christ, he says, was simply absolutely worthless. Paul realized that his life was a sham. He was a poser. He was a fraud and he was miserable inside. He wasn't fulfilled. He couldn't find satisfaction. How do you find satisfaction going into a place where stained glass windows and statues and lighting candles and it's just all a bunch of rigmarole? How do you find life in all of this? Yet he went on to give one of the most liberating verses in all the Bible for it contains the recipe for life. It contains the recipe for freedom inside from every vice, from every oppression, from every codependency that we have, from every repressed memory that that lodges itself inside of us that we were traumatized by, from everything that's ever enslaved us. And it's only available to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's only to the true believer that this is given. And how much does it cost? Nothing. It was given to us because Jesus paid the price for it. What is it? Amen. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold to it yet. He says, man, I haven't figured all this out yet. I don't have it all down pat yet. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not looking behind me anymore. Boy, did he ever have a lot to forget. He tried to single-handedly destroy the church. He was a murderer. He had people beaten. It's like he had so much to get out of his life. It was a mess. But did you catch it there? He says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm not dealing with it anymore. I'm not going back there. I'm not going to allow myself for the enemy to back up the dump truck of condemnation on me. And what happened to me? I'm forgetting what's behind me. It's not going to therapy anymore. It's not being codependent on a therapist, a counselor, a life coach, or anything or anyone other than Christ Jesus and the written word of God. 
That word forgetting in the original Greek language means, get this, to forget. You're to forget. You're to stop recalling it in your mind. It's taking every thought captive. It's to move forward in your life. It's to never remember it again. I'm wiping it out. I'm only looking forward. So when we're struggling with the sin from our past, when we're struggling with a past abuse or anything that haunts us from our former days, we are to only look forward and not behind us. And what a breath of fresh air that was to the Apostle Paul. For again, if anyone needed to not focus on his previous life, it was him no longer content to live in the religious hypocrisy that he was living in. He looked at who he really was. Listen to how he described himself in 1 Timothy 1.13. I'll read it to you. He says, I was formerly a blasphemer. I persecuted the church. I was a violent aggressor, but I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly. In unbelief. This is why we're told in 2 Corinthians 5 17, therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away, everything becomes new. When you come to Christ, all things are passed away, everything becomes new. It's a new starting point. It's starting fresh. It's like this is a brand new day. It's like it doesn't matter what's happened in the past because what's happened happened. You can't change it. Grasp onto this. Seize it into your soul. Drink it somehow into your spirit. We were not created to deal with all the guilt, the shame, and the trauma that comes from this sinful world. We weren't created to deal with all of this garbage. Consider the woman who's had an abortion. When she steps away from that liberal agenda, when she allows her mind to just start thinking where it's not always being politically correct, when she's left with only herself and realizing that she stopped the life that was growing inside of her, how does she get past that? Only God can forgive that and reassure her that that little baby your baby's with me and you're going to see your baby again when you come home to heaven. And now I want you to move forward and you can long to see your baby once you get here, but now move forward and do what's right because this is a new day. You've come to me. Or what about the child that was abused for years and they've carried that guilt and shame from their past? How do you move on? It's like, this is a new day. Stop looking back. Look forward to what I want to use in your life to move forward. And maybe I'll use you to walk down since you've been in that path of pain to help someone else that's in that path of pain to lead them to Christ so they can have a new day and not look back anymore. What about all the people around us? How do they move forward putting past all of these horrible memories? What about the drug dealers, the murderers, the alcoholics? All of us with sin in our past. That's every one of us. How can we ever move forward? Well, it's not through a 12-step continual program that's connected to a lifetime of codependency. It's coming to Christ and looking forward 
Listen to what God said in the Old Testament, Proverbs 4.25. He says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Stop looking behind. Look in front of you. The context of that verse in Proverbs 4 is looking forward as we are giving full attention to the study of God's word. Allowing the word of God to be absorbed like a sponge into our hearts. Now let's turn to the New Testament, Titus chapter 3, where we will see firsthand the importance of the word of God as we embrace our second point, to recapture our redemption. What really happened there? That day we came to know Christ as our Savior. What happened? Let's recapture our redemption. Here's what we will see because it depicts for us here in Titus chapter 3 our past, our present, and our future. So here it is right here. Here's our past. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For we also once were foolish ourselves. Yes, we were. We were idiots. We were young and stupid, okay? I was deceived. Yes, I was. I was enslaved to various lusts. Yes, I was. And pleasures. Spending our life in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. Yes, that was me. I had all of these sins in my life, chasing after this, partying like an animal, all of these things, having all these lies inside, stealing from my employer, hating people on the inside while I smiled at them on the outside. That's who we were. We were dogs, basically. That's who we were. Yes, we all have a past. We have all failed in our life. We have all fallen short. And what's the first thing that happens to us when we accept Jesus as our Savior? He forgives us. He cleanses us clean. He makes us as if we've never sinned. Listen to now our present condition as Christians. So that was our past, but here's our present condition as Christians. That's the next verse. Verse 4, Titus 3, verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior... And his love for mankind appeared to us. Someone shared the message with us. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds that we have done in righteousness, because we had done nothing in righteousness. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. I was trying to work on my car that night, and someone shared the gospel with me. And it's like, man, I was a dirtbag. I had all these sins. But yet, it came just like that. Not on the basis of my righteousness, but according to his mercy. Mercy again means God's unmerited favor. Not only does he forgive you, but mercy says, I'm gonna spare you of the punishment that's due to you, but not just that, I'm gonna give you favor instead. Oh, I'm gonna give you favor. So he spares us from the judgment that we deserve and he gives us favor by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wow. So he saved us. We had nothing to do with it. We just came to him. We, we prayed and asked Christ to come inside to forgive us, and he forgave us, and he cleansed us. We've been made clean. We've been made pure, holy. He has set us apart. This is why God has directed us to stop looking back. Look forward. Look what I've done for you. This is why we're not 
to focus on those things that have happened because what happened again happened. Nothing can change that. But Jesus has made all things new to you and to me. So no matter the depth of our sin, the depth of God's grace and mercy is much deeper. This again is why God said in Isaiah 43, 18, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Stop pondering those things. God has made it all new now. How many times does God have to tell us the same thing through the scripture? Yes, we saw our past. We were lost. We were wicked. We were filled with sin. Then we looked at our present. Jesus bore our sin on his body on the cross. And he's washed us clean. Now we stand pure and undefiled in him. That's our present. And then God shares with us, our glorious future. Look at verse seven of Titus three. So that being justified by his grace, made just as if we've never sinned by his unmerited favor, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So now we're made co-inheritors of eternity in heaven. Our future, we're going to heaven. And not just waltzing in by the skin of our teeth. No, we're co-inheritors of heaven. Romans eight sixteen says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. That's why Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty two, if you confess me before men, Like you don't walk around as the unknown Christian with a bag over your head and nobody knows. He goes, you confess me to men around you? He says, one day, I'm gonna confess you to my father in heaven. When you die and you stand before God, he says, I know him, I know her. He'll call you by name and he'll call you, says, come now into the joy of the Lord. Come and share all of heaven with me. You are my co-inheritor of heaven. I have made a mansion for you. Come and dwell with me. Come into the joy of the Lord. That's his promise. That's our future. Yes, our first point was refocus our vision. We're to look forward. We're to stop looking back. Second, we looked at recapturing our redemption. Jesus bore our sin. He has forgiven us. We are made new in Christ. We are washed. We are born again. Which brings up our third and final point. Revive our walk. Let's turn to Psalm 119. This can only happen by the embracing of God's word. It says in Psalm 119, verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. Oh, the only way that your heart can be revived is by the word of God. Yes, only God's word ingested into our spirit and our soul on a daily basis can bring triumph into our lives. It can only, it's only the word of God that can bring victory from our past. It's only the word of God that can give us great hope for our futures. Let me ask you, are you in God's word every day? Are you ingesting it? Are you reading it? 
Are you opening that book? Look, if you only got five minutes, then get five minutes in that word. And I don't mean just flipping it open randomly. Pick a book in the Bible and say, I'm going to read one chapter a day at least. You know, if you go to the book of Proverbs, it's the wisest book in the Bible. It deals with everything in life. There's 31 chapters. So in one month, you could read the whole thing. Just every day. I'm on, today's the first. I'm going to read chapter one. Tomorrow's the second. I'm going to read chapter two. You get done with 31 days. The month's over, and you read the whole book of Proverbs. Drink it into your soul. Take it in. There's a man in the Bible. His name was Job. He was a man who endured more hardship and tragedy than most of us can even imagine. For he lost everything. He lost 10 of his children, thousands of livestock, camels, sheep. He went from being possibly the richest man on the planet earth to being what appeared to be to others around him, cursed by God himself. People would say, obviously you've lost everything. What do you got hidden sin in your life because God has cursed you? Little did those Job's counselors who become a a thorn in his flesh, little did they know what had happened. Satan has to check in with God. He's not just his own free thing. He has to check in. So he was checking in with God and God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil looks at God and says, well, no wonder he serves you. You blessed him on every account. You put a hedge of protection around him. It's like, man, if you let me at him and take away all of his blessings, he'll curse you to your face. So God says, all right, well, go ahead. And he did. He caused a storm and the roof fell in on his children and killed all his children. And, you know, these, these bands of wicked people came and stole all of his calves and all of his camels and all of his donkeys and everything. And he lost everything he had. And Job said, well, naked I came I into the world and I guess naked I'm going to go out. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. So then Satan came out again. God's like, so what do you think of my servant Job? He goes, well, hey, skin for skin, a man will give anything for his own life. Take the hedge of protection off of him. Let me at him personally. He'll curse you to your face. God said, okay. So he came on and gave him disease and boils all over his body, scabs, everything. Never curse God. What do you pull out of that? You just think to yourself, God, don't ever brag on me. Okay, just let that go by. But the point is this. He never blamed God, but he said this in Job 23, 12. He says, I have not departed from the command of your lips. I have treasured the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Wow. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible. In the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters. And Psalm 119 is broken into 22 sections of eight verses each, all starting with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. Meaning there is a total of 176 verses in Psalm 119. Now here's the crazy part. Every single verse 176 verses, depending on what translation you read, King James Bible, New King James, New American Standard, NIV, refers to God's word in every single verse, except for three to four verses, depending on your translation. So that means at minimum, 172 verses refers to God's word. They mention his word. 
and he will relate his word in different ways. It'll be referred to as his word. It'll be referred to as his law, which is God's word, his precepts, which is God's word, his statutes, which is God's word, his commandments, which is God's word, his ordinances, which is God's word, his testimonies, his judgments, which are all God's word. So reflect on that for just a moment. Do you think God's trying to say something there in those 172 verses? Walk with me just for a moment as we witness for ourselves just a few of these verses. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How does a middle-aged man, a middle-aged woman, how do they keep their way pure? How do you keep your way pure here if you're an older man, an older woman? He says, by keeping it according to your word. Verse 10 says, with all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. He goes on in verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 37 says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, all the empty junk around me and revive me in your way. Verse 50, this is my comfort in the midst of my affliction. Your word has revived me. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.